Ohio, and you're listening to Barbecue Central. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. And welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things that are most important to the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio. The barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host. Greg Rempe, happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evenings, the live fire fun and frivolity show. Although my body told me all day long it's Monday, in my mind I knew it was Tuesday, and that's why I didn't forget to do a show this evening, and I'm glad we didn't. However, if you've never found the show before, you have no idea to get in contact with me, and you don't know how to follow the show... Here's how you do all that stuff. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, the BBQCentralShow.com. And here's what's happening in case you get the newsletter. Coming up in about 12 minutes from now, a what will be second time guest. If you are somebody who is ever increasing your backyard living area, if you're thinking about putting in an outdoor kitchen or some of those modular pieces that you're seeing pop up, just saw on cookoutnews.com that Blackstone is now bringing products to the backdoor market that aren't just cookers. They are modular living pieces, shelters, plus some really expensive high-end griddles that they're making. So keep an eye out over at cookoutnews.com. If you're not visiting there often every week, you are missing out on all the great information, which is why we have Wes Wright on this show once a month to keep you up to date. But not to get off track, the person joining us at 914 is the creator of perhaps one of the most efficient and best-used patio heaters on the market tyson traeger from wood pellet products and woodpelletproducts.com joins us once again on the show so we will talk to him about the product how it has changed since the last time we talked going on four plus years at this point what it's like having traeger as your last name and if that's dangerous being around any type of pellet product are you inviting lawsuit have there been lawsuits and then We will talk about some of the new, we're saying modular pieces here this evening for some reason or another. He has modular pieces that will go on top of the standard patio model heaters that he has. So I believe you take the chimney off and 
you know what? I'm going to talk about it like I know, and it's best to get all the right information from the folks that's doing it, and that's Tyson Traeger over there. So you can not only get heat and be comfortable in your outdoor living space as you're cooking outdoors, but you can actually use it as a cooker or different types of cookers, which we'll find out here shortly. 35 past the first hour, we'll be joined by what many consider to be the leading authority when it comes to hamburgers, not only across the nation, but probably across the globe. Our pal George Motes rejoins the show. Tonight we talk about something that I hadn't thought George was even interested in, not that I know him extremely well, but reading books and watching his documentaries and other films that he puts together and his YouTube channel. It had never occurred to me, although now that I'm thinking about it in my head, especially during the pandemic times and what he was doing in Brooklyn where he lives, that he would be considering doing some type of restaurant. And that's what we're going to be talking about with George tonight. The opening soon of Hamburger America in New York City. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be exciting talk, especially if you have plans over the summer to visit New York City. That's probably going to be a place you want to stop in and get a George Moats hamburger. How many people can say that? And then we'll move to the second hour where we'll be joined by a pair of guests all at the same time. You know him as Barbecue Bob Trudneck, and you know him as Big Mo Kason. That's Bob Trudneck and Mo Kason. 14 past the second hour and probably 35 past the second hour. Plenty to get to with these two guys. You know, the last time I had Bob and Mo on at the same time, it was a number of years ago. Bob was in Warminster, Pennsylvania, and Mo was on a shipping vessel trying to do the interview. I mean, to say it was a disaster would be an understatement. We're going to hope that it's a little bit better this time. I believe Mo is in Iowa and HQ, so there is a really good odd that he will sound way better than he did uh, probably three or four years ago whenever we tried to pull that one off. But uh, Bob and Mo were both at Memphis and May, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And they have the Bob and Mo Smoke, uh, the Bob and Mo Barbecue Show that they teach classes with, and a number of other items to get to as well. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat at BBQ Central Show. I say good evening to those of you watching the show tonight through one of our video streaming platforms. You can go to Facebook or Twitch slash BBQ Central Show. Also, you can watch it on YouTube.com slash at BBQ Central Show. And of course, we have a new YouTube poll question of the week. And I'm asking you and all guests this evening, did you eat at least one hot dog yesterday? And 71% of you are saying, oh, no, that's shocking. That's shocking. However, I fall into the 71% as well. Not even one glizzy passed through these discerning lips. And you know, I'm a guy that might enjoy a boiled hot dog, which will see me in the 10th circle of hell once I reap my ultimate demise. So says Stephen Reichlin on the show. But I did not have one hot dog. We did have a large pack of hot dogs just in case, but it never came up. We had ribs. And we had Money Muscle, only Money Muscle. We'll get into that, too. And by the way, if I might, there's a guy, no names please, who works for a butcher shop right here in downtown Cleveland. Well, a little bit outside of downtown Cleveland. No names please. Who, just when I think my ego is pretty big, 
This guy, on any number of occasions, has no problem deflating it easily. Here's a guy that has ample opportunity. Hey, I got your order. I'll drop it off. You're on my way home. All right. And then magically, I'll either get a text or this time around, my daughter comes in and says, hey, the, the meat guy just dropped the stuff off. I'll, oh, 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 I'll, go, I'll go run out. Say hi to him. Thank him for the service. No. Vamoose. He's gone. He doesn't even want to say hi to me or you should really go to the shop and pick it up yourself. It's like a ghost. I don't even know if, it, if he really exists, except I know he exists because I've seen him in person. And then I try and get a little bit of an exchange going over text message on this money muscle and how I got to trim it up to make sure I'm getting the right pieces out of it. Zero context, uh, zero text messaging, zero text messaging with this guy in the most crucial elements in time. It's like he's forcing me to do it on my own. Meanwhile, he's bringing the most controversial products to market, trying to sell into the competition barbecue circuit in specific KCBS, but he's bringing the most controversial products to market and he won't give me a text message. He doesn't want to say hi to me or hold 30 seconds worth of conversation for me to at least express my thanks. No, he's got no time for me. No time. People fly into Cleveland to hang out with me. He's five minutes away and won't give me a fine. How do you do? I'll take your money. Here's the meat. Don't want to see you. Have a good day. What a fine. How do you do? So fine. If you want to play like that. I'll just keep giving you my money, and I don't have to see you. As a matter of fact, I might prefer it that way anyway. <laughs> Give me my food. <laughs> Jason in New Jersey is writing in on the show. Wow, thank you for answering the foil boat question on the show last week with the embedded correspondence. It was even more than I could have hoped for. Three different and measured responses. I love John so much. In a quote, nope, not doing it. And then Rusty laid out why it makes sense to him. And because of him, I will try that this summer. And Doug was more in line with what I was thinking. Either way, I will throw out all my aluminum pans regardless. Thanks, Greg. You're the best. I have the Chris Young interview queued up for the ride home today. Looking forward to the steak conversation. Big fan. Big fan. Regards, Jason. We're here for you, Jason, and everybody else. If you have a live fire question that you would like to get asked, to the embedded correspondence, or you know I have a guest coming up. Whatever, whatever. Just let me know. I will be sure to try and work it in, if at all possible. But in this case, Jason asked a question last week. We had the embedded correspondence. We talked about the foil boat that Chud likes to do. There you go. Jason, I am of service. Tyson Traeger, hopefully... We'll be joining the show here after we get done talking about our pals over at Pits and Spits because they have the best looking, best cooking smokers and grills. Pits and Spits offering a full family of products, including traditional offset smokers, wood pellet grills, charcoal grills, travel grills, combination grills, fire pits, and much more. Pits and Spits has been one of the only American fabrication shops that's focused on smokers and grills for almost 40 years. Why is that important? Because they're able to put an emphasis on quality and design, locally sourced materials, 
and unmatched attention to detail from the fully welded barrels to the heavy gauge steel. They bring both function and beauty to life. Pits and Spits builds every product with the intention that it gets passed down for generations to come. It doesn't matter if you're a competitor or if you're just a backyard ham and egger like me, it raises the barbecue and grilling game to that next level. In fact, maybe two levels above. There is a product for you. Don't worry about it. Go to the website, pitsandspits.com slash bbqcentral. Again, that's pitsandspits.com, all spelled out, and that's a double T on the pits and the spits. pitsandspits.com slash bbqcentral. And then, as you're checking out, if you've accumulated $500 or more, BBQ Central at checkout for a free spice pack. Yeah. Once again, that's BBQ Central at checkout for a free spice pack. If you accumulate $500 or more at order, that's through accessories or cookers or a combination of all that. Just don't miss out on the free stuff. That's what I'm asking. Pitsandspits.com slash BBQ Central show. And hopefully we have... Tyson Traeger coming up here shortly. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Well, I'm not sure what happened there. However, we will continue on and hope that my recorder does not change as we continue on. Uh, I'm not seeing Tyson Traeger. We'll just check in here. Tyson, are you there? Hello, Greg. Can you hear me? Wait, you are there, but I don't see you. I've reconnected. Can you hear me now? I can hear you, yes. All right. All right. Um, Does your camera not work? I don't know. It says it's on. Hmm. All right. Well, I oh, don't. I got you. Hold on. You got to pop it up. Ah, there he is. Look at this guy. Pee. All right. Now, hey, bud. Let me give you the proper introduction as I was going to, except the black box had me all freaked out and I didn't think you were there. My first guest this evening continues to bring his unique product offerings to the outside patio heater market and outdoor cooking market. I ask you this Do you suffer from chilly evenings or days for that matter? And the propane umbrella thing that you have isn't giving satisfaction that you so deeply crave. Well, we just might have the solution in this segment as we race to the hotline. And welcome back our pal and the founder of pellet product, wood pellet products, Tyson Traeger, is joining me here on the show. Tyson, before we get going, because we know you're there and we can hear you, we're asking the YouTube poll question of the week, which is the following. Have you eaten at least one hot dog yesterday? Yes or no? No, I, I, I failed. Wow. Well, currently 71% have not eaten or did not eat a hot dog yesterday. Not even 30% have. Uh, I also was in your camp, Tyson. I did not have one hot dog yesterday. I had ribs. I had money muscle. Had no hot dogs. I did have some in the chamber just in case the opportunity needed to present itself where I had to make them, but it didn't. So we didn't. Anyway, for the folks that are new to the show since 2018, that was the last time you were on, 
Are you able to give me that quick genesis of how the product came to be and when you officially got into business? Yeah, it's easy. I was cold. I was a teenager. My grandfather had come out with some gravity-fed stuff in the past. It's an orchard heater. I took that with me, motorbiking out with some buddies. We hadn't any plans on where we were going to sleep, but I knew I had heat. And uh, we lit it up, and the thing, it would get hot for like an hour and a half, and then it would jam up. It was like a funnel. It was a vertical funnel system. And uh, they built multiple products around this system. But uh, if you did not have a stick with you, you would not have continuous heat. Uh, but that was that was my entry into uh, loving the ability to go into the outdoors, light something up without having the electronics necessary, and be able to provide what was necessary, which was warmth to sleep. Um, so here I am. Uh, you know, as soon as I graduated college, I went off and went into that sales world uh, with the barbecues and. Uh, I got so many tools in my pocket from that uh, alone. So, yeah, I think the the right thing for me to do was travel on down that path. Uh, you got so many. The, the diversity of wood pellets, Greg, is unbelievable. Yeah. So, How dangerous is it for you to operate a business around any type of wood pellet product with the last name of Traeger? Well, uh Going into small business itself is risky. Uh, going into small business with the last name Traeger is probably the dumbest thing you could do. Uh, but that's kind of, if you know our business and you know who we are and what we do, we're innovators, we're trailblazers. Um, and, and so what? So what if my name's Traeger? Uh, it's the past that's had given me the opportunity um, and then the drive with the need for these products is what creates uh, my innovation um, and drive. You know, there's nothing like this stuff on the market. Uh, that's why we're winning. When I think of outdoor patio heaters, you know, maybe 10 or 12 years ago when those, I call them the umbrella liquid propane heaters. So maybe you could convert them yeah. into natural gas, but Standard usually you got heater. a tank. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it looks, you know, kind of aesthetically pleasing. The heat comes down. And it gets the top of your head pretty warm. Uh, the rest of your person is neglected, and people thought that was like it's the, an idea. People thought that was the greatest thing, and they were all yeah. over the place. Restaurants have them. A lot of the backyards have them. So on. So when you talk about the timber stove, how is it different, and what are what's the biggest difference, I guess, between that and what other people would know as that patio heater? It's uh, it's kind of like, you know, relating things to, you know, I would say a couple decades ago that uh, that whole diversity of outdoor heat, it doesn't really include anything in regards to warmth. Uh, most of its ambience, uh, those those umbrella heaters that, you know, the, the whole purpose of this heater is to keep you warm. Well, uh, if correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, heat rises and if we put the heat at the top of our head, you know, it's not going to make its way all the way down to my feet. Well, I don't like being cold. I get cold hands. My hands don't work, you know, and for me, it's a necessity. So it's real easy. Put the fire on the ground where it belongs, make it rip, make it work and make it work. So I don't have to go around and mess with it. 
Do you have a thermodynamics background, or are you just a fire lover and you've harnessed what you've gleaned over the years and you were able to put it into a product that works? I don't think that would do it. Honestly, you know, I got all these young guys working for me, and the thing that they're going to walk away with is better than a master's degree. They've got that, that firsthand experience of trial and error. And that's the magic behind what we're doing. You know, we can watch people come around and make other products and try to be like us, but they ain't going to be able to do it. And it's because we're hands-on. We're making this thing and we're trailblazing our own path. And by the time somebody else tries to reach us, I mean, we're, we're already on the other island and, and getting on a new boat for the next island. So it, it for us is really, it's a neat thing to be able to make this product here in the States because it allows us to create that innovation. Do you have a lot of different products in the portfolio or models? Yeah, uh, I'm an innovator, so you're going to go through lots of lots of products. Uh, not all of them stick around. I've made a camp stove. I've made all kinds of ovens. Um, for us right now, uh, we are killing it in the patio heater game. Uh, we are changing how people are able to spend their time outdoors at night. And that's, that's my mission right now. My mission is get that thing outside um, and the rest will follow. So uh, I, I don't think there's any doubt that uh, I'm not going to come out with some kind of cooking appliance. I've already done that. The griddle is a necessity. You can see it all over the board. It, you know, everybody's got it. Everybody's making them. They don't work like ours. You know, they don't run without powder. They don't run without uh, uh, gas. Ours is all wood pellet driven with no draft, no auger system, no nothing. But the, the whole thing about new products is we're we're makers of good fire and the difference between our fire and what everything else is offering out there is the BTU output uh, the ability to get continuous heat from that fuel source the wood pellets that's the benefit of this thing it's kind of like um I like to refer people to how when you start a campfire you're using a lot of kindling and when you, what you're doing there is you, you've got a lot of surface area and that's how you're able to get a lot of heat out of our product. Now we have to dial these things in and, you know, take all those variables into consideration, the fuel area ratio. And yeah, there, you'd think that I have some kind of uh, engineering degree in wood pellets, but it's, it's experience, Greg. It is, it is decades of hanging out around the right dudes, people that know what they're talking about, being in the barbecue world, knowing what people want. I think the thing that separates me the most is I listen to a lot of people around me. I've had a lot of good leaders before me that uh, have, have been successful and uh, a lot haven't been successful. And I, I'm going to talk more about that, you know, with people uh, instead of, uh, you know, what the things we've accomplished. I'm going to talk about the things that we've been through. You know, it's it's the adversity that breeds that innovation. So that's a good dovetail into the genesis or the continued genesis of the company. I remember when we had you on four or so years ago, you were you know, just kind of breaking in, getting that name out there. And then you have a pretty significant item happen in the shop where basically because you are somebody who was playing with fire, that thing that you're playing with literally, uh, no pun intended, uh, sparks up and burns you literally uh, as it, it burns down the whole shop. So, I mean, that's, I've talked with uh, barbecue restaurant owners that have pit rooms and they always tell me it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when that pit room is going to catch on fire. So what do you remember about that day and how were you able to recollect everything and decide, Hey, we're either going to quit or we're going to continue to to pick up the pieces and forge ahead. 
well, obviously it was a surprise to me. Um, to correct you, the neighboring building is what caught fire oh. and then spread to our building. So yes, I did say to myself, when is the day going to come when this thing goes up? Uh, you know, we're welding in there every day. As a small business owner, you're trying to be resourceful. You're trying to keep your rent low. We were in a building we shouldn't have been renting. Um, and it still didn't matter. Uh, it was the neighboring building that caught fire. It burned everything. Uh, I got nothing out of it. You know, insurance does what they do, which is, you know, screw you over. And uh, we ended up with nothing. And, and, and it embarks us down a path that uh, I, I will forever be thankful for, Greg. Um, light my building on fire um, if I'm a if I'm a business owner because what what business is is understanding adversity it's understanding what you're gonna do to survive uh, survival is what it is I, I don't know how many businesses out there are just killing it all right business is a freaking survival game and if you're not good at that you're gonna die and so for me, that was the same thing. Okay, well, I've been dying for the last eight years before that building caught fire, nine years. And all that did was just lit a fire underneath everybody else around me. Um, as a business owner, as a, as a leader, uh, they will follow you if you lead them. And the very first thing I did, Greg, was I got back to work. So fucking what? My shit burned down. Uh, the year before the summer, I'm sure you guys heard about those Oregon fires that yep. swept through and burned down millions of homes, right? Just millions of dollars and tens of thousands of homes. It was ridiculous. Well, I just looked at it as, well, that could have been me. Um, and a lot of people up in that canyon got screwed too. So so what? Uh, what are we going to go and do from here? Greg, we were making product in six weeks. Uh, I will take that record from here on out. Six weeks later, uh, circumstance, you know, blessings, uh, whatever you want to call it, the stars were aligned and the machinery that I had already been purchasing to grow the business uh, unexpectedly was already on the way, <laughs> right? It's in a freight truck truck on the way. We're talking a $20,000 uh, roll form machine that makes our stovepipe press brakes we bought on eBay. Uh, you know, all this stuff came together. Again, if you know how to survive, you're going to be able to pick up real quick and get going. And we did. And we killed it, Greg. If I didn't, that was uh, October 9th of the, the fire. Uh, we basically would have had that season gone mm. if we didn't. Uh, and I would have been dead in the water. So uh, had to. There's 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 no looking back. It's It's only survival. And, and I still feel that today, even though we're really successful now and uh, we're killing this game. Um, you have to think like that. If you don't think like that, you don't get to innovate. So now you're thriving through adversity. You're turning out some great products. Uh, as someone who had seen them from afar, I got firsthand experience in like the best and the worst way possible. We're at the HPB Expo in Louisville and they have a big outside exhibition and it's brutal outside. It's 30 degrees outside one day. It's colder the no next. And who's got the most popular outside booth aside from people that are giving out food? Well, they're grabbing the food and they're going to the timber stove Our setup. Bed. And everybody's yeah. huddled around the three or four or five units that you have going. And you can feel exactly what you're reading about actually happening to your person. And if it didn't work... Those people would not be hanging around. They'd be going inside or they'd be trying to find the next fire that was lit. But there was so much population 
to stay warm because it was freaking cold. Are you happy that it was that cold outside and you could really showcase the product against everybody else? No. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> People don't go outside when it's that cold. <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a window for us uh, in sales. Um, it's funny, with our heaters, the majority of use is in the summertime. Uh, our largest sales come in the fall and winter. Uh, you know, it's just how it works with the product category, but it, it's definitely good for use. Temperatures above 30 degrees, um, below 80, right? Yeah. Don't turn the thing on when it's 80. On top of the great stoves, we have now innovation, as you've been talking about. What I saw at HPB was you had a flat top modular piece or I don't even know what you would call it, but uh, talk to me about how it works and how you actually go about installing it. Yeah, it's a simple uh, modular piece. It swaps onto the stove, onto the patio heater. Uh, you pull that stove pipe off, you put that griddle or pizza oven on top of the stove and you replace the stove pipe. And now you have a fully functional uh, pizza oven or griddle. Um, that's, you know, for us, it's a necessity because you have the heat, you might as well be using it. And it doesn't, um, if you have the griddle top on or the, the pizza oven, you're still getting the, the warmth around you and then you can actually dual purpose it, use it as some type of a cooking bus. That's correct. Some people just leave those, uh, appliances on the, on the heater. Um, and then they buy another heater you know, for the other appliance. Um, we've also got a new burn box that uh, allows you to use these cooking appliances without needing the use of the stove. So I've been invented a new cooking appliance that allows this modular ability, uh, interchangeability of these different appliances. So uh, you go to our website, check it out. But uh, this interchangeability of these cooking devices, it makes it very simple to take and cook something one way um, um, or, or different from uh, what you're trying to do on a, on a griddle as far as into a pizza oven is two different worlds. So, you know, for us, it's this ability to kind of cover a full range of a kitchen um, because we have the heat. So, um, you know, if we're going to, if, if we're going to make best use of our product, um, it's not, it's not necessarily just adding something on there too. I mean, these, these appliances, they're, they're doing things that other appliances aren't doing. Um, this pizza oven that we manufacture uh, in the cooking world, something I've learned over the last 20 years is indirect cooking is probably the most favorable way to allow somebody to cook something correctly. Um, and so I've taken that concept and adapted that to this pizza oven. It's the only pizza oven out there that cooks indirectly. So being able to cook your standard Papa Meats pizza, Papa Murphy's pizza or, you know, your store-bought uh, pre-made pizza is available to you as well as that artisan pizza that you're trying to make uh, inside your house. Tyson, last question before I let you go, and I appreciate the time. When you have the umbrella heater and the wind blows, the heat goes away. How does weather affect the wood pellet product? Stand down wind wind is kryptonite to all heat. Yeah. Uh, if it's not there in the first place, you're going to have a hard time filling it. So with our product, being able to radiate more heat than any other product on the market, you're going to at least feel it 
uh, as you stand a little bit closer to it. So, uh, you know, being able to at least stay comfortable uh, instead of cold, I, I think that's a better scenario than being cold. Take a look at the website, woodpelletproducts.com. Look at the heaters, look at the modular pieces that you can get. Obviously, if you have any questions, you can contact them through the website. Uh, or if you have questions for operation, uh, great support and all that stuff. It's Tyson Traeger. Tyson, always appreciate the time. Continued success. And we'll do it again before the next four years elapse, I promise. Yeah, I've already had a couple kids since then, Greg. I think uh, we need to do it a little sooner. <laughs> we will do that. Appreciate the time tonight, right. Tyson. Thank That's Tyson Traeger, woodpelletproducts.com. And as somebody who... So, look, I'm as conscious as the next guy, right? So you see the price tags, you shudder a little bit, and then luckily... And by happenstance, I'm at that expo. It is freezing cold outside, and he's set up. And it's not overly windy there. It was just brutally cold. And you're standing there, and you can feel that that heat from the floor all the way up that pipe. It's radiating. So as far as does it work, yeah, for the price, are you going to buy one? If you're into that kind of thing, and you don't want to suffer through the inferiority that is what everybody else uses, that propane thing. This is one you might want to take a look at. Plus, the build is great. You know it's going to last forever. And it runs on pellets. You can just get heating pellets cheap. All right, that's Tyson Traeger, woodpelletproducts.com. George Motes is ready to go here, so we'll talk to him here in just one second. What do we love about ceramic cookers? We love that they're fuel efficient. We love that you can achieve low and slow temperatures for traditional barbecue meats. And we love that they can get rip-roaring hot for the high-temperature grilling of steaks and other thin cuts. But what's missing in the everyday lineup of ceramic cooks? The real ability to do two-zone cooking. Two-zone cooking is very important to both professional and backyard cooks alike. It's the best way to manage a fire and cook with confidence. However, getting a two-zone fire in a round ceramic cooker is not very realistic. Why? Because it's round. And a Primo grill and the game-changing oval design. The shape gives you the ability to execute that two-zone setup that you desire. It also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well. So when you break it down, there's more than 60 different ways to cook on the Primo cooker. You're only limited by your culinary imagination. And if you like accessories, because we all do, they have plenty of them. Like the Primo grill rotisserie accessory, the Primo grill pizza accessory, half-drip pans, full-drip pans, rib racks, the whole deal. Go to the dealer nearest you. That's where they're sold. Primogrill.com. Find a dealer or follow them on Facebook and Instagram. And here are the bottom lines. Best ceramics in the biz, patented technology, true two-zone cooking capabilities, and multiple sizes of ovals. Go check one out. Find the best oval for you. Take it home. Watch all the videos. You're good to go. Primogrill.com. And we're back with George Motes right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And we thank Tyson Traeger for joining us last segment. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring. Or connect via Bluetooth if you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home. You're in luck because Fireboard fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. Use the old school Fireboard over the weekend for those pork money muscles. 
and the analyze portion is just great. Oh, it's so Hey, my next guest is an Emmy award-winning filmmaker and founder of the Food Film Festival, author of the travel guide Hamburger America, the Great American Burger Book, and was hailed by the New York Times as the leading authority on hamburgers. Did I mention he's also a Barbecue Central Show's guest hall of famer? That's right. Here to talk about a brand new venture that's coming to his hometown of New York City this summer, our pal George Motes. George, before we talk about all the new stuff, we're asking everybody the YouTube poll question of the week, which is this. Yesterday, did you consume at least one hot dog, yes or no? <laughs> um, no. Wow. <laughs> George, would you believe that 85% of the YouTube voting public are also in agreement? 85% are saying no, they did not have at least one hot dog yesterday. I'm also in that camp. Did you have some ready to go or just didn't even think about it? Well, to be totally honest, I had a hot dog the day before and I had a hot dog today. So <laughs> <laughs> on the day we're talking about, though, we have zero exactly. hot dogs. All right, good. So sorry, no hot dogs. Would you ever eat a boiled hot dog? I'll, I'll eat hot dogs any way. Oh, I yeah. love hot dogs in any shape or form. Oh, yeah. No matter what. I mean, some toppings are questionable, but without a doubt, I love hot dogs. Well, one time I told Stephen Reichlin that I might enjoy a boiled hot dog from time to time. I remember growing up, my mom would boil hot dogs, uh, you know, get the water boiling, turn it off, drop the hot dogs in, eight minutes later, come back, and they're perfectly cooked, whatever. I mean, it's might as well told him I thought his son was ugly or his wife was a whore or something because <laughs> he told me, and I quote, there's a tenth circle of hell for people like you. So... Wow. FYI, never mention that you might like a boiled hot dog to Stephen Reisland if you ever cross paths. I will not I will not talk to Stephen about hot dogs at all, yeah, I guess. I guess not. <laughs> so, uh, the biggest news that I've seen in the world of George Motes, Motes recently was that you're going into the restaurant biz, set to launch early yes. summertime. So let's first talk about how this project comes about or is pitched or the fruition of it. How, how does this happen? Well, for starters, uh, I like to tell people that I'm not an idiot. I'm opening a restaurant because I'm not an idiot. And the reason I know I'm not an idiot <laughs> is because <laughs> I'm not a restaurateur. Um, and what I did was I employed, or actually I got friends of mine involved who are our restaurant, the restaurant people. Uh, I'm not a restaurant person. I mean, I am. I, I know a lot about hamburgers. I just don't know exactly how to open a restaurant. And anybody who thinks that they can they can open a restaurant without having any knowledge whatsoever, they need to have their head checked for sure. So you have, let's call them business partners. Uh, they're more on the restaurant side. So are, are they coming together to you and saying, hey, I don't know if these guys uh, also have uh, you know common interests outside of coming to George Moats to talk about a hamburger restaurant. Do they like bang on your door one day and say, hey, George, you know me and this other guy are interested in collaborating with you specifically on a burger joint? Or are they saying, hey, we want to do something with you, but we don't know what we want to do. Let's spitball. How does that work? I had a lot of people knock on my door. I mean, by through email, obviously, and say, you, you need to open a restaurant. You're ready. We can help you. We can provide all the support. And I said no to every single one of them simply because I didn't know them. I didn't understand. I didn't know if I was going to get screwed. I didn't know. I didn't really know what they were talking about. I didn't know 
how to even how to get a lawyer, how to get a restaurant attorney involved. So I went to some friends of mine who have a restaurant group in the city in New York City called Schnippers, the Schnippers Group. Uh, they have a, they they first opened Hale and Hardy Soups, which you probably know if you're in New York, if anybody who's in New York knows Hale and Hardy Soups. Uh, but then soon after they they sold that business and then they they built Schnippers Restaurants, which is a, a small chain of uh, hamburger and salad and chicken sandwich uh, restaurants in uh, mostly in Midtown. It's a great, it's a great success. The story, and I went to them and said, "You're a great success. Uh, do you have anybody in mind who could help me do this?" And they said, "Oh, we'll do it <laughs> without missing it, without missing a beat." Uh, I think they saw what I was doing. I had already built a brand, and they said one of the hardest things to do is to build a brand. And for their restaurant group, which is a success, to tack onto a brand and grow together is really where the, where it was at. And this is exactly what we're doing. I have the brand, they have the restaurant, Acumen, and the two of us together, three of us actually, the Schnippers brothers, all three of us are going are gonna to take it to the next level for sure. So I've had many conversations over the years with barbecue folks, and some of them are gentlemen and ladies that are full-blown opening up their own restaurant because they are, unlike you, a restaurateur. Maybe they know the business and that's how they're doing. However, recently, like in the last, let's say, eight to 10 years, you know, barbecue has become very in vogue or they have this name. Uh, for instance, again, the second hour, uh, Mo Kason is a, is a big name. So folks are asking him all the time. This other guy on YouTube saying the cooking guy, not necessarily a barbecue guy, but pretty successful on YouTube. Uh, they're doing, uh, let's call it licensed deals. Is this more of your type of relationship where they're coming and saying, hey, George, we want to leverage your expertise on burgers. We want to leverage your brand slash name. And uh, you're going to get a percentage of the gross every month and we'll put a contract together for five years. And then after five years, we'll take a, a re-examine on that. Or are you all three invested and in stakeholders with equal shares of money in to get this project off the ground? I, w I wouldn't say equal shares, but we're definitely all invested together. Mm -hmm. Put it that way. And we're not, it's, it's not a licensed deal. I'm not, I'm not just giving them a piece of the business and they're, we have a set time to do this in. Not at all. We're actually, we're trying to grow the business together. Our plan is to open one unit uh, and get it perfect, make it absolutely perfect, and then go on to consider opening up more. Mm -hmm. We've already told our, we have also had a group of investors involved and we told them as well, we're, you know, the plan is to only open one. Don't get excited about an entire chain. But <laughs> I tell you right now, if this thing works out, which I think it will, there'll be an entire chain. <laughs> so let's talk about putting the menu together and getting a spot. I, I don't have any idea what it's like to get real estate in New York City, but um, you know, the, the common thought would be a hard, be very expensive. So how does that whole process right. work? Uh, those are both tr very true things, hard and expensive <laughs> for sure. But the reality is that we know in New York city, you can also, you know, it can also do very well. You can be a success as long as you do it correctly. And this is, I think why this union is going to work between successful restaurateurs who are, have been at their New Yorkers for life. They're, they were born in Brooklyn. They have all their businesses have been in Manhattan and they know what they're doing. They understand uh, who to speak to, how to speak to them and how to get things done. There's no question about that. So I'm, I'm in really great, I'm in really great hands with these, with these two guys. And a third friend of mine is also a childhood friend of mine is the lead investor, uh, lead of the investor group, and so he's the liaison, liaison between me, the restaurateurs, and the investors. So we have a, a very nice working uh, group that's going to make this thing happen. But, but the reality is, is it is expensive for sure. And also, we were so screwed by the the uh, timing of the pandemic. In a way, we were lucky because we were looking at real estate 
during uh, the first phase of the pandemic, and then all of a sudden we were shut down. We had to stop everything, uh, stop looking at real estate, stop even talking about it. And we, we stopped for about eight months before we got back on our feet and started talking about what the next steps were going to be. So it's probably been about almost a five-year process now, but mostly, be- I mean, two of the two and a half of those years were probably because of the pandemic. But in, in that time, the real estate market completely flipped on its head and changed in New York City. We were looking pretty much only in Brooklyn. We thought we'd you know be in the hot new spot in Brooklyn, but something happened. There was a very it's hard to explain right now, but there's a real estate uh, snafu that happened during the pandemic that's that took the neighborhoods we were looking at and just jacked them up to way too high <laughs> out of our price range. And we actually went, the 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 buildings that we found that were in our price range were in Manhattan. <laughs> Whoa! No way. Not Brooklyn, wow. exactly. Wow, we were we were looking in the hottest neighborhood of, of Brooklyn, which was uh, Williamsburg, and in the in the time span of five years, especially in the last year of looking at real estate, it went from being you know a really good deal to the hottest, literally one of the hottest uh, commercial property uh, zones in the world in, wow. in Williamsburg. It was crazy. So Midtown it is. Uh, concept of the restaurant. I assume you have a lot of well idea here. Well, right? hang on, no, no, we're actually in Soho. We're in Soho. Oh, Soho, right? Okay. Um, yeah, neighborhood. The the the, uh, the name is uh, going to be Hamburger America. It easily arrived on, name wise. Absolutely, that was that was easy because I have a my first uh, foray into the world of hamburgers was a film I made called Hamburger America. Uh, I made a book, a guidebook to great hamburgers in America called Hamburger America. I, that is about to be a fourth edition, a fourth uh, updated version now. Wow. After all these years, the book's been around for almost almost twenty years now. The film is now 20, 22 years old. <laughs> wow. Menu-wise, what are we looking at? Menu is very simple. Uh, we're looking at a uh, – actually, the drink menu may be, may be larger than the food menu. But we're keeping <laughs> keeping it very simple. It's true. Uh, we have very strange – oddly, people we pointed out – someone pointed out to me we have a very strong milk program going on. Because we have milk. We're going to have chocolate milk. We're going to have egg creams. We're going to have mocha milk, which is a combination of coffee syrup and chocolate syrup. We're going to have coffee milk, which is a Rhode Island specialty. Uh, we're going to have yoo We're going to have one beer on the menu, which is uh, we're going to have Miller High Life in a bottle. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> we have, it's beer and wine license, so we're not going to go beyond it and have hard alcohol. We're not, we're not trying to open a bar. We're, we're opening up a burger joint. But it's going to be a classic you know, 12-stool counter with about 35, 40 seats in the back. Uh, and the idea is you walk up and get a seat at the counter. It's, it's a big warm hug. You feel good when you walk in the place. You, you're in the right spot. And you're there for either a five-minute meal or you're there for half an hour, whatever it is. You're gonna feel, we're going to treat you right. Um, I'm building, we're building a griddle right in the counter so you can watch the food being made. Right, I can talk to you when I'm making the burgers right there in front of you. It's going to be a lot of fun. But the menu is going to be pretty much three burgers. Uh, the burger of the time, which is the Oklahoma fried onion burger. We're going to make a classic smash burger, which is only going to come with uh, uh, pickles, mustard, and onion. And then we're going to have a rotating burger of the month special where I bring in one of my hamburger heroes from around the country. Mm. Say the, you know, the, I bring in the QP uh, olive burger from QP in, in Lansing, Michigan, or I bring in the green chili cheeseburger uh, from Santa Fe, uh, New Mexico. And then I bring them in for the weekend. We fly them in. They make burgers right, right next to me, side by side. We keep the burger on the menu for the entire month. Huh. George Motes joining us here on the show, georgemotes.com, by the way, if you want to check out some of the stuff that he has done. Um, we talked about the – oh, I did want to follow up on the is, – is milk uh, – I say it weird. I'm sorry. Milk, 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 whatever it is. Uh, milk. Milk. <laughs> is it a – do you associate that with burgers? Like why so many milks? 
Well, there's two reasons. One is that we're not going to have milkshakes on the menu. Okay. Uh, so there was a uh, there was a concern that there's no you know no milkshakes. What are we going to do? But chocolate milk is the answer, I think. <laughs> I'm also a huge fan of chocolate milk. I love chocolate milk. I love it in all shapes and forms. Uh, and also, the first time I had my real out of body hamburger experience was at the Apple Pan in Los Angeles. And for whatever reason, it was mid midnight on a Friday night in LA, my first time in LA, and I ordered a burger with milk. And since then, I've, I've always associated, for some reason, the classic cheeseburger with milk. Once the place is open, people are start, you know, will be coming in in droves. What's the expectation for someone coming in to try Hamburger America that they will see? George Moats in this establishment. Very good. I would say I, I plan to be there as much as humanly possible. I do have other things I have to do. I, I've, we're working on another TV show. I've got a book deal. It's another book deal that's happening. I will be doing other things for sure. But I'll be out there promoting the restaurant and getting people to come to the restaurant. But I will be there as much as humanly possible. That's the idea. I mean, we are building this griddle. Uh, at one point, even the architect referred to the, the griddles area, the griddle area in the front as George's stage. Because <laughs> oh. it'll actually be my place to like to pontificate and talk to people and customers about hamburgers. Is it a certain manufacturer that you use for this griddle or is it just some commercially available one that you have experience with? Both actually. Uh, commercially available Vulcan. I mean, I'm, I oh. look, I've, I've tested and worked with a lot of griddles in the past and to me, the only real standard for me is the Vulcan. Uh, a lot of a lot of restaurants like to use the higher end mirror cleans and that sort of thing, but they don't actually. With the, for the burger I make, the onion burger, you cannot use a fancy ass griddle uh, with the, the burger that I make. It just it just burns the onions. It doesn't cook the same way. I need a classic old school diner flat top, which is the Vulcan. For the backyard warriors here, and of all the brands that you've tried, what do you find to be the best freestanding? A residential griddle to get right now? Unquestionably, uh, the Camp Chef. Camp Chef oh. makes the, the sturdiest and the most reliable flat top I've had. And I've I've used them all. I've used all the flat tops out there. Some I won't even mention a name because they were kind of embarrassing. They fell apart on me. But I'll tell you this much, though. The Camp Chef, without a doubt, they they, they supply me with, with uh, they, they like the fact that I like them. They've been supplying me with griddles for a couple of years now. But they don't have to supply me with a whole lot because I'll tell you right now, the one that we kick the crap out of and use pretty much at least twice a week right now during pop-ups is still running. The <laughs> same exact one, the first one they gave me. It is, I cannot get over it. I mean, that thing has probably seen, uh, seen 40,000 burgers in the last three or four years, easily. You can't keep these in stock on the website, but tell me why I would buy a $236 George Moat Smashula Spatula. Because you love yourself. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> That's why. The well, Smashula is unlike anything else out there. Like, it's, but uh, why? It is, like, it's what, one pound. Help me with that. Why? Sure. I know I know the price seems very high. The price point is not, it's not, not ideal. It's also not ever available because they're made by hand in a very tiny shop yeah. in the, Argentina. The demand is there. Uh, made, so, I mean, you're doing it right. No the, doubt. I know. I know. The demand is definitely there. People say, how can you do this? Well, I don't really need to worry about it because people, I sell them <laughs> at a rate of about one per minute. Yeah. I'm not kidding. So once we, if we, if we have 50 units available and they show up at, you know, at our house, at, at the, at the, you know, the most, most burger headquarters right here, um, they'll go out at a, at a, at a rate of one per minute. We'll wow. sell one per minute. It's unbelievable. 
Even if people will still complain, I can't believe it's that much money. I said, well, this, the problem is that we've gotten away from the real cost of uh, making things. Uh, and it, that's I tried to make this in the US and I could not get it made for anything less than $300 wow. per unit just for by hand because each one is made by hand it takes about five or six hours they're all hand polished they're also when you get it it has your name on it it gets has your your name is etched on it and in, in uh acid black acid ink um it's perfect and it's an heirloom it lasts forever as far as the cooking aspect of it i mean does it have some some benefits that you wouldn't get from a uh also ran product or you know i got a, a 19 dollar circular you know maiden press or whatever the fuck it is so i mean is it yeah. Will it will it give me a better cooking experience? Okay, so those those uh, the bacon weight style uh, smashers, they those are those are actually new on the market. They're not something that uh, have been tried, you know, they're not tried and true. They haven't been tested by for decades and that is I would say it's a new thing. I, there's no question about those definitely work well. Um, the difference is that the one we've designed, uh, the Smashula, uh, it's it's a real spatula, and it's designed to look and feel like the old school spatulas of the day. In fact, if you really want to, you know, you want to, if you don't, if you want a Smashula and you can't you can't afford one, you don't want to pay for that much money, <laughs> do what the old school guys did, which is to go and get a brick a brick trowel, you know, the big the big triangular brick trowel, and just cut cut the tip off. Seriously, just to cut the cut the tip off, sand down the edges, and you've got the space of the same thing. And I'll tell you that that's probably that's that's actually that's historically accurate. If you were to take a, br a brick laying trowel and cut the tip off and go make burgers, you're actually you're, you're in line with what people do historically. Wow. What size ball should I be using for a smash burger, weight wise? Weight wise, I think that you shouldn't go over three ounces. Mm -hmm. If you need more beef than that, then you just you make a double. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if you make a double, then you have four sides of Maillard reaction and uh, the beautiful taste. Last question. Once you've executed the smash and you pull the smashula or whatever you're using to get there, how should it be looking on the flat top before you make the flip? Before, oh, how should the actual surface of the burger look? Yeah. That's a great question. Uh, with the smash burger, if you, if you actually create it correctly where you've got that nice lacy edge, the edge will start to curl up a little bit, and that's mm -hmm. how you know it's ready to go. But you can also, if you look at the burger, if it's still pink and looks like it's still cold, it's not ready yet. But whenever it starts to get this, uh, it just, liquid starts to form on the top of the burger. That liquid is actually all of the, it's really rendered fat that is trying to escape the heat by going up. And that escaping heat is your clue to turn it over and trap it. <laughs> trap the heat, trap the juices. Do you have a, a preferred temperature on the flat top, whatever it is, um, whether you can set it thermostatically or if you're just kind of guessing and shooting with an, an IR thermometer, where do you like to cook it? Sure. Somewhere around 400 is great for a regular smash burger. But when I cook onion burgers, I actually cook it a little bit lower, closer to like 325 for an onion burger because you don't want to – 325 is enough to get a good sear on the burger. Uh, and get the lacy edge you want. But at the same time, when you flip it over and you have the onions on the other side, it won't burn the onions. It'll actually caramelize the onions and cook it just a little bit slower so it cooks in that beef fat and tastes incredible. Toasting buns, yes or no? It depends on the burger. Onion burger, oh. I do not toast because I, I, I like to do something called letting it ride where you take the crown of the bun and you put it down on top of the cheese you've just put on once you flip the burger. And then on top of that, I put the heel so now you've got the crown and the heel stacked up. They're letting it ride, and the steam, all that steam is going up, and it's grease-filled steam, and it's helping to flavor and soften those buns. 
In that case, yes, I won't toast. I will not toast the bun. But for most burgers, I would say, yeah, it's a pretty good idea to toast a bun. Wagyu beef, a waste of smash burger or a delicacy? Well, a complete waste, of course, because, I mean, honestly, <laughs> Wagyu beef. I mean, what right. Last to do? weekend was just a waste. I thought I was doing something special for everybody, and I was a waste. Damn it. <laughs> Sorry to say. I mean, honestly, no, it actually, you can make a great burger, but you're really spending so much money. You're spending way too much money to get the same product as just adding a little bit more fat, mm. good fat, a really good fat. You can, you can probably go with dry age cuts and dry age fat, basically, and get a much better flavor at the same thing you're trying to achieve than actually spending that kind of money. Also, it always, it kills me to people trying to do that because you're grinding up a perfectly good steak that you really should just be sliced thin and dipped in soy sauce, as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Yes. <laughs> raw, eaten raw. Indeed. So, uh, you know, special Sorry. occasion, trying to throw caution to the wind. And indeed, that worked very well. Caution was right to the wind. So, yeah. look, here's the bottom line. We're going to keep track <laughs> of the Hamburger America, the restaurant opening here on the show. And we'll pass along any updates as you see fit to uh, give them to me to pass along to the Centralites. And if you're going to be in town after this opens, George and I both encourage you to stop by and I would love to hear your feedback if you have the burgers. I would share that on the show as well. So, uh, George, we wish you great success on this new adventure and appreciate your time this evening with all the information. Thanks for having me on. You got it. There he is, George Motes, right there. GeorgeMotes.com. See all the books and the films and the other swag and products that he's offering right there. And... Man, great info, especially right at the end, rapid fire. So if you were just getting into the smash burger scene, like I've known about it forever. I just started getting into it in the last uh, two months, three months. And I hate to tell my oldest daughter, bad news, we're never getting Wagyu beef again because George said I'm wasting my money. I waste enough money on you already, kid. I'm not going to do it on the ground beef. 80-20, come back to me. That's right. All right, we are going to step away. We'll come right back and wrap the first hour. So stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. And we thank George Moat for joining us last segment, talking about the Smashburger, but more importantly, talking about Hamburger America, the restaurant that's going to be opening up that he is invested in. He's got some partners. He's also got a liaison to the investor side of things. Doing a lot of business there on the front end of that segment, but then learning a lot about smash burgers, a copious amount or a wide selection of milks. I think I say milk sometimes, like M-E-L-K, but in show mode, it's milk. I said it right, but I was confusing myself. Uh, Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue. The Arby's Wagyu Burger is Sofa King good. Is it? Is it? I've had it, and we all know what they do. They warm it up in the grease, which I'm not necessarily anti, but there's no 
they don't cook burgers, then, so forget it. All right, uh, we're going to point to the second hour. Stick around. Be right back.